The Lady Parts Doctor podcast is a health podcast focusing on issues that affect women and those assigned female at birth. However, it is for everyone. This is our safe place to talk about things that matter to you, involving your spiritual, mental, and physical health. We talk, and I give you the evidence with a little of my personal and professional experience sprinkled in. So tune in, get comfortable, and let's chat. Welcome to the Lady Parts Doctor podcast. I'm Dr. Stephanie Hack, the Lady Parts Doctor, and I'm so happy that you're joining me today to have a little chat because, you know, I love it when we chat. And last week, we talked a little bit about New Year's resolutions. I told you how I don't really like to make New Year's resolutions, but instead, my plan was and is to be more intentional. And I kind of broke that down and what being intentional was to me. And, you know, honestly, it's something that I work on every day. It requires energy and effort for me to be as intentional as I would like to be. And that's okay because I'm practicing over and over again to develop habits and just, you know, I'm, I'm not one to back away from a challenge when I have something that I want to do. So it was really interesting to hear your thoughts and how you feel about intentions versus resolutions and goals. And really when it comes down to it, you just have to do what works for you. And for me, this is a year of personal, another year of personal and professional development. So now we're going to change the subject a little bit to this episode's topic. And I'm just going to start by asking you a personal question. Can I ask you a personal question? Are you up to date with your cervical cancer screening? (laughs) That might not be what you expected me to ask, But January is Cervical Health Awareness Month, and it is the perfect time to check to see what preventive health screenings are due this year. And we have a lot of different preventive health screenings, from breast cancer screening to colorectal cancer screening. Cervical cancer screening is one preventive health screening that I would say most women are familiar with. However, many of us don't know exactly what it is or why it's important. But, you know, I have patients who every January or always around their birthday, they would make sure to schedule their annual exam and and come and get a pap smear if they needed it. Cervical cancer screening consists of a pap smear with or without high-risk human papillomavirus testing. That's HPV testing. And it's all done during your pelvic exam. Now, A pap smear is just one of the things that we can do during a pelvic exam, but every pelvic exam does not involve a pap smear. And it's always important, and we'll talk about this again later on in this episode, but I always want to reiterate that. Screening for most women, cervical cancer screening, is performed every three to five years between the ages of 21 to 65 years old. And depending on your age, medical history, and your previous pap smear results, screening may be performed more often than that. 
and may even go beyond 65 years old. It just depends. Now, cervical cancer screening has significantly decreased new cases and deaths from cervical cancer over the last 50 years. The American Cancer Society estimates that approximately 13,960 new cases of invasive cervical cancer will be diagnosed this year, and about 4,310 women will die from cervical cancer. However, According to data from the National Institute of Health's National Cancer Institute, the percentage of women in the United States who are overdue for cervical cancer screening has been increasing, and the reasons are unclear. In a 2018 JAMA study assessing the rates and reasons for overdue screening, the most common reason given was not knowing they needed screening. And I just want to highlight something for you. That was a 2018 study. Okay, that was two years before the pandemic that those results came out. So can you imagine what that would be like now with the pandemic? And you remember a lot of us, we weren't going in because, you know, we were a little more concerned about getting sick and all of the implications and everything that could come with that versus getting our pap smear. So who can who knows what the numbers are now? Now, for more information on how often screening is needed and just general pap smear information, I want you to head over and check out the podcast episode all about pap smears. And ooh, that was several months ago, but you'll see it if you go and look at the list of episodes. Because in this episode, we're gonna focus more on HPV and cervical cancer, and really more on cervical cancer. So let's talk about HPV first. There are over 200 types of HPV with a subset, so just a smaller portion, being sexually transmitted. And the sexually transmitted types are further described as being either high risk or low risk. High risk HPV is more likely to cause changes in the cells of the cervix that go on to progress to cervical cancer. Low-risk HPV is unlikely to progress to cervical cancer and may cause nothing or present as genital warts. So when we do pap smear screening with HPV testing, we test for high-risk HPV because cancer can kill you. You know, we're not really as concerned about genital warts because they're not going to kill you, but cancer can. There are about 14 types of high-risk HPV, with types 16 and 18 causing approximately 70% of cervical cancer. These types can also cause oropharyngeal cancer, mostly affecting the throat, anal cancer, penile cancer, vaginal cancer, and vulvar cancer. But, But cervical cancer is really what we know them mostly to be responsible for. And in the U.S., these strains, these high-risk HPV strains, cause about 3% of all cancers in women and about 2% of all cancers in men. Now, fortunately, our immune systems clear most HPV infection in about one to two years. However, high-risk HPV, oh, that high-risk HPV, it is more likely to persist and cause precancerous changes to cervical cells, which if left alone, if not evaluated again, can go on to progress to uh, to cervical cancer. So routine cervical cancer screening allows us to check for these changes and intervene as needed. It allows us to intervene before things have begun. It allows us to know who we need to screen more closely, whose changes we need to follow more closely so we can take action. 
So what happens if you're diagnosed with cervical cancer? Now, for this part of the conversation, I'm bringing in a GYN oncologist, which is a gynecologist that does special training in cancer. A GYN oncologist, an expert, and one of my dearest friends, Dr. Renee Cowan, MD. Now, I do not usually read a whole bio, but this is my dearest friend, and I just want to hype her up (laughs) in every way possible, and I am so proud of her, as you will also hear me go on to talk about later on um, in the podcast episode. She is a gynecologic oncologist, and she completed two fellowships, not just one, but two, from Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York. That is a huge cancer center, not just for GYN cancers, for a number of cancers. Her first fellowship was a clinical research fellowship in uh, gynecologic oncology. That is not easy to say. And that was followed by a gynecologic oncology fellowship for surgery. So the first one was a research fellowship. The second one was a surgery fellowship. And that was a total of six years. So she spent six additional years after the residency training that she completed um, at MedStar Washington Hospital Center in Georgetown University. She obtained her undergrad degree. I'm going backwards, but that's okay. She obtained her undergrad degree from Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, and she obtained her medical degree, medical doctorate, and her master's in public health from Temple University in Philadelphia. All right, so listen in to our conversation about cervical cancer. All right. Hello and welcome to the Lady Parts Doctor podcast. I'm Dr. Stephanie Hack, the Lady Parts Doctor. And today I have with me my friend. (laughs) And it's not to say that I haven't had my friends out before, but like this is my friend, friend. This is Dr. Renee Cowan. She is a GYN oncologist, which is a special type of gynecologist who's gone through very rigorous training to also provide oncologic services and oncologic surgery. So basically she's a badass surgeon duck. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So it's Cervical Health Awareness Month. Welcome, Dr. Cowan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, friend. (laughs) And let me tell you, and I know this is going to slip because I almost emailed you and called you this we are friends from before marriage so yes. and I, I apologize if I accidentally call you by your maiden name <laughs> and don't tell don't tell your husband I, he ain't gonna listen so it's fine he'll never know <laughs> all right so it's cervical health awareness month and as a GYN often caring for patient cervical health and explaining things to them I want to go a little more in depth and actually talk about cervical cancer. And I am not the cervical cancer expert, although I know a lot about cervical cancer. Dr. Cowan, Dr. Cowan is the cervical cancer expert <laughs> and she's joining us today. So to get started, what, what are five warning signs of cervical cancer? Okay, so warning signs. I think that's the tricky thing about cervical cancer and about a lot about our, a lot of our GYN cancers is that there often aren't overt warning signs. Cervical cancer, when caught early, is asymptomatic and you actually is usually picked up by during your routine gynecological treatment. So you've had a pap smear and that pap smear comes back abnormal. Your doctor will call you back and tell you that they need to do another study or another exam, often called a colposcopy, where they look at your cervix under a microscope with some, we, um, 
it's vinegar is what it is. It's mm -hmm. acetic, <laughs> acetic acid. It's vinegar. And um, that has, that helps abnormal cells change color, makes them appear more bright or white. And you can, and then oftentimes that will lead to a biopsy. And then the biopsy gets sent to a pathologist, or that's a doctor that looks under the microscope and tells you if the cells are abnormal or not. And then that comes back as cancer. That's the usual way that it's diagnosed. Oftentimes, unfortunately, when we find more advanced cervical cancers, those are in women who have not seen a gynecologist in a very long time, who may be heavy smokers, or who may have compromised immune systems, and they may see bleeding or pain or an abnormal or funky discharge. Mm -hmm. That's great because you know, as you mentioned, for the first part of that, you're usually getting your pap smear and any biopsies done with your GYN, you're getting the colposcopy done with the GYN, and then we are getting the result and sending it out. But when we call patients to say, hey, you have an abnormal pap smear, that's usually the first question. You know, people have, they're like, oh my gosh, is this cancer? Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so it's great that you kind of broke that down and gave the explanation. And um, also, when people have abnormal pap smears, their next question is often, how can I prevent this from happening again or prevent this from getting worse? And, right. you know, those are like generally the answers I give them. So I'm glad to know that I am saying what the GYN oncologist <laughs> says. <laughs> um, so then my next question is, one of the things, as we learned that a lot of times people are skipping pap smear screenings because they feel like, ah, it's just a pap smear or they don't really understand the importance of it. Okay. So maybe you feel like the cervical cancer screening is not important, but how serious is cervical cancer? Oh, it can be very serious. I don't want to scare anyone because, you know, you may have that abnormal pap smear and you may have some cancer cells. I think it's important to understand the spectrum of disease. So cervical cancer, the majority of cervical cancer is of a squamous type, or that's a that's a, how we describe the histology or the type of cells that make up that cancer. There are other types. So there are a lot of different cells on the cervix. Right. And there, and there are, and there are other types of cervical cancer that fall under different histologies or cells that are of different cell types. Um, however, the majority fall under squamous. And even with those, they have we have a grading system of how abnormal your cells are. And I often explain it to patients here. It's a kind of a one, two, three system. So you have it's a little bit abnormal. It's medium abnormal. It's very, very abnormal. It's cancer. So mm -hmm. that's those that's how you fall in line. And when you have just the abnormal cells or even the very abnormal cells or even small cancer, is it very serious? It's serious if you leave it alone and don't do anything about it. But cervical cancer caught in its early stages is very treatable and curable. It's when are ignored, when symptoms are ignored, when patients are ignored, when findings are ignored, abnormal findings, when people or patients don't return to see their doctors or things get lost, that's when things become more serious. And as it becomes more advanced, yes, there are still treatment options, but the chances of recurrence or the chances of this leading to other problems is bigger or higher. So is it something to 
be stressed and anxious if your doctor calls you back and says, hey, I found some abnormal cells. You know, you have a little bit of a little bit of anxiety is normal and appropriate. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, you're still very, very treatable, especially if you have been seeing your physician or provider and getting your normal checkups and someone's been down there, you know, regularly. <laughs> I, you know, I was going to laugh when you said that, but yeah, no, that's entirely true. And that's one thing that we're often explaining is look, most of these cancers are diagnosed in people who have been inappropriately screened or have not been screened. So if you're paying attention then, and I think, you know, for that reason, often as GYN generalists, we, we don't brush it off. That's not what I intend to say at all, but we don't, we don't freak out like, oh my gosh, you have an abnormal pap smear and patients can either take that well as in, okay, you know, she just understands my risk or sometimes people can feel like we're brushing it off and it's like, no, we're not brushing it off. I want you to be concerned, but I don't want you to freak out um, for all the reasons that you just described. Um, with that said, what happens to the body when someone is diagnosed with cervical cancer? So let's say they had abnormal or abnormal findings four years ago and then COVID happened and they just never went back for a pap smear. <laughs> so oftentimes it progresses and cervical cancer is not a fast growing disease in the most part. Now there, keep in mind anything I say, there's going to be a spectrum and there are going to be things that happen more slowly and there are going to be things that happen more rapidly or that can be more aggressive. But most of the time cervical cancer is a slower growing disease. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, there are studies that show that from the time you have that first abnormal cell to the time where you actually have an invasive cancer can be about seven years. Um, so there's a chance that if you ignored something and then four years later went back, that you may still be okay. But then there's also a chance that those cells could be, could have spread. And, you know, cancer is cancer because it invades into things. It spreads and grabs hold and takes from your body and creates its own blood vessels. We call that neovascularization. They make their own blood vessels. They take whatever they want from the body and they grow and they grow and they grow and they destroy. And they can get into your bloodstream. They can get into your lymphatics. That's like a highway system on the body. And they those little cells can get on there and spread. Mm -hmm. So what am I feeling as this is happening? Like what, you know, what do people feel? I know you said before that a lot of times people feel nothing and they have no idea. So let's say maybe I was diagnosed with cervical cancer and then I got scared and then the pandemic happened and I didn't go. And at this Some, point, mm -hmm. sometimes you're, ble I think bleeding is often is the most common thing that people come back with after there's been a finding that has been ignored or not tended to appropriately. Um, it's often bleeding, oftentimes this abnormal, funky, malodorous discharge. Mm -hmm. um, as cancer does grow and take over the body, sometimes you'll have weight loss, you'll have pain. Cervical cancer is a cancer that kind of likes to grow and invade into the organs that are around it. So you have your cervix here and above your cervix is your bladder mm -hmm. and below your cervix, you've got your rectum. So those cells can grow up into your bladder. You can notice blood in your urine. They can grow down into your rectum. You could notice blood in your stool. They grow out to the sides and we call that the parametria, but that's just the tissue on the sides of the cervix and they can grow out that way. That can cause some pelvic pain, some discomfort. 
you have these tubes that go from your kidneys to your bladder, and those are called the ureters. And sometimes that tumor will grow and block off those tubes. Mm -hmm. So then the urine backs up and those tubes become dilated. And we call that hydronephrosis or hydro, your ureters become dilated and then it makes your kidneys dilated. Mm -hmm. But, and all of those things can usually manifest as pain, weight loss, sometimes even bloating. Mm -hmm. If the disease has really been, you know, really had its way, then sometimes it'll spread and cause other symptoms in your body, nausea, vomiting, Mm -hmm. Um, cervical cancer likes to go to your lungs, your liver and your bones. Mm -hmm. And so cancer in the bones can be very painful. Cancer in the liver, not normally, it normally manifests in some like abnormal lab findings. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, lung, you could cough up blood or things like that. I mean, those are all very traumatizing, scary things. (laughs) They are. And I want to um, reiterate that this is someone who did not have a normal pap smear like two years ago. So if you're someone who like, I just, oh my gosh, I'm bloating. And then you just had a normal pap smear last year. It is not cervical cancer. These (laughs) patients, my patients who present with those symptoms Mm -hmm. have not, they are often women. So cervical cancer usually presents in the thirties, forties, or fifties, but there's still about 15% of women who will present after the age of 65, which is interesting Mm -hmm. because we don't do pap smears after 65. Right. You should still get your pelvic exam every year, regardless. And mm-hmm. I think those that's two big things. People don't realize that a pap smear is different from a pelvic exam. Right. And they don't but, realize that we, even though we stop at 65, we don't stop at 65 for everybody. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Different reasons to stop. So the, the patients that I have that present with these like big cancers that are, um, that have spread and are causing more problems, they have often not seen a gynecologist and usually they tell me somewhere between 10 to 20 years. Mm. They're like, oh, I haven't been back since I had my last kid. And that kid is a grown child with kids. Like <laughs> I have, I now have grandchildren. Like mm-hmm. that is often the story for those women or, um, and it's a lot of smokers. I don't know if I have said it enough. Don't smoke, don't smoke, don't smoke mm-hmm. tobacco. Cervical cancer loves tobacco. And they'll, that, that tobacco just feeds those cells. So it is often women who smoke, who have not seen a gynecologist in umpteen years, who mm-hmm. then one day just start bleeding. And that's cigarettes. And that is also your hookah, because that is also tobacco. I just have to add mm-hmm. that in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I have my little list of questions to make sure we cover everything that everyone wants to know. And how do you treat it? So I got diagnosed with cervical cancer. How do I treat it? Or how do, not I, but how do you treat it? (laughs) Again, we're talking, there's a differentiation between early stage and advanced stage. And everything is going to be divided that way. Early stage tumors are going to be treated surgically for the most part. Once they're below a certain size, it will either require either just excision of where they are on the cervix. And it also depends on what your... Um, life goals are. Sometimes these cancers will occur in women who are younger and who haven't completed childbearing or are still interested in having children and carrying them biologically from their own womb. And so sometimes we just have to remove the cervix. Sometimes we remove the entire uterus. Sometimes we remove the uterus and its neighboring tissues. Some studies have shown that once the tumor grows beyond a certain size, there is um, the 
benefit of doing surgery versus doing a combination of chemotherapy and radiation. We have to weigh those risks and benefits. And so it may be better depending on that size of the tumor and how far it's spread. Once you get into the more advanced um, stages, you may just be treated with surgery and not surgery with chemotherapy and mm -hmm. radiation. And radiation. Okay. Radiation. I just think about all of the patients that we saw in residency who had had radiation. And I just want to tell everyone, get your cervical cancer screening done, get your pap smears done because you don't, yes. you know, if you have to go through that, it is life-saving and that is great. But yes. You really don't want to have to go through that. You exactly. really don't. Exactly. And so also, can you tell me a little bit about, um, what do you wish women knew about cervical cancer? So for sure, don't smoke. <laughs> don't, smoke. <laughs> don't smoke. But what else? When you see these patients, you know, especially the young ones, uh, but even the older ones, like what do you just wish that they knew about cervical cancer? Um, I think the biggest thing is to not ignore your annual checkups. You're, don't ignore your gynecologist. Nobody likes to go to the dentist. Nobody likes to go to the gynecologist. Mm -hmm. We know, mm -hmm. but you should go we anyway. <laughs> Just <laughs> like you should go anyway. Do not ignore that. And then I think that there are other parts of life. There are other things in life that can make this part of your life better. And when I say that, I'm talking about, this is an immune system mediated disease. So this is um, something that's caused the vast majority of cervical cancers are caused by the HPV virus. Mm -hmm. And that's a virus that the vast majority of us come into contact with. Mm -hmm. And we are, our immune systems can normally clear it the way that it would clear the flu or another virus. But sometimes our immune systems aren't strong enough to clear it. And that virus goes in and it lies there dormant until there's some stress event, be it, you know, a sickness, um, an immune related disease or disorder, or, you know, lack of sleep, stress, mm -hmm. smoking, <laughs> you know, there it is again, <laughs> unhealthy eating, all of these things can weaken your immune system. Um, and so if you can do things when you're young and through all throughout life mm -hmm. to keep your immune system strong, it can do the, what it's supposed to do, which is to clear and rid the virus before the virus can get in those cells and cause trouble and wreak havoc. And then is there anything else that you would just want to share about cervical cancer? I mean, that was a lot. I think that was pretty in depth, but. I, know, I, took, I took notes just in case. <laughs> Good to be prepared. I know. But I really think that we covered everything in terms of cervical cancer. Mm-hmm. No. Well, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, I think we co I covered all the things. I think we did. So then my last question to you, and this isn't quite cervical cancer related, but this is just in general. What is the role of a GYN oncologist for anybody who I, I imagine many people have not heard of a GYN oncologist yes. before? There are several specialties, urogynecologist, reproductive endocrinology and infertility gynecologist, um, maternal fetal medicine. All these are all... Um, minimally invasive gynecologic surgeon. These are all examples of further fellowship and training people go through after they complete an OBGYN residency. So what is a GYN oncologist? What is your role? So a GYN oncologist is a physician who has gone through 
extra training to specialize in cancers and pre-invasive diseases of the gynecological organs. So vagina, vulva, cervix, uterus, fallopian tubes, ovaries, those are our organs. Uh, we're trained really to handle any issues that those organs are causing from the xiphoid to the pubic bone. So anything in your belly, we can handle it and we've seen it and that we're kind of the captain or the champion of the team of people who take care of women who are faced with these issues or diseases. And so, and it's a very team approach. So you've got to have radiologists involved. You've got to have pathologists involved, medical oncologists. Those are the doctors who give chemo, radiation oncologists. Those are the doctors who give radiation. Sometimes we have to work with surgeons from other specialties so that we can all work together to give the um, woman the best care possible. And so the gynecologic oncologist kind of sits at the head of that team. Badass surgeon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just make sure that the patients get what they need. So even like a lot of my cervical cancer patients don't get surgery because their tumors are too big, mm -hmm. but I'm still in charge of making sure that they get the radiation, they get their chemotherapy. I'm in charge of checking in, looking in that vagina, looking at that cervix every mm -hmm. three, six months, 12 months, however often, depending on the issue and making sure that everything is okay. Um, so you really want to have your, if you have pre-invasive disease, which is like pre-cancer mm -hmm. or cancer, you want to make sure that those surgeries are done by a GYN oncologist and that you're seeing a GYN oncologist regularly and that they can help guide and navigate your care. At this point, our conversation about cervical health and cervical cancer ends, and I'm just going to leave this part, this next part in the podcast, because you're just going to hear a conversation between two friends who have been on this journey together and are just really proud and happy for one another. And also, this is another reminder, a good time to remind you that if you're enjoying the podcast so far, Go ahead wherever you're listening and leave that five-star review and click subscribe. So I want to say, I am so proud of you. I'm looking at you in your office and your scrubs and I'm like, didn't she do it? Won't he do it? <laughs> Won't he do it? And I just have to say this for everyone because we, so Dr. Cowan and I, went to medical school together and we met one another the summer before medical school started. We were roommates. And so I've known her all through medical school. And then at the end of medical school, when we did, we both did a rotation away at another, um, another medical school. Mm -hmm. And she did this GYN oncology rotation and she said, I want to be a GYN oncologist. And so then we matched and we went to residency together, which is not common. Okay. So this is how I can tell you, she is my friend friend, but also she is my friend because God was like, this is your friend. <laughs> no matter how many times she tried to get rid of me, thought I was going to let that slide, huh? I'm not going to say anything about that. This is my friend. And, um, and to just have seen you go through this whole, pro like, it's so amazing. It is such a blessing just to see someone say they are going to do something and to do it and to do it well. And so I'm just so proud of you looking good with your braids and your scrubs. I'm like, I'm just so proud. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. I appreciate that. And How I feel that? similarly about you. Oh, well, thank you. As I know. You said. 
that you wanted to do education. You said you wanted to do patient education. You said you wanted to do, this is before social media was a thing. So you just said you wanted to do media mm-hmm. and here you are realizing those dreams. Mm-hmm. What you mm-hmm. said you were going to do. And it feels good. Yeah. It feels it really good. good. You make it look good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that episode. It was really fun to bring one of my good friends into one of our conversations. And for anyone who wants to know where Dr. Cowan practices, who needs GYN oncology care, she practices at Woman's Hospital in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Okay? Go check her out if you're down there. She's awesome. She's amazing. If you, I'm, you've listened to the episode, so you already know that, but I just can't stress that enough. So I really hope you enjoyed it again. And before you go, make sure to subscribe to the blog, the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, leave that five-star review. And if you didn't think it was five stars, send me a message. I always love to hear your constructive criticism. I like to know how to make the show better, more entertaining, and more educational, and more empowering for you. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Instagram. You can follow me at LadyPartsDoc, L-A-D-Y-P-A-R-T-S-D-O-C, Twitter, TikTok. And again, let me know if you have any questions. I love to incorporate your questions, your stories, or your ideas into the podcast so you can share them by sending me a message on Instagram at LadyPartsDoc, or you can send me an email at drhack, D-R-H-A-C-K, at ladypartsdoctor.com. If you're interested in booking or presentations, consulting, or other events, go ahead and head on over to the website as well. You can find me there. Until next time. Mm -hmm.